Welcome back, everybody. Here we are in our third session, Lesson 18, in our study series on maturing toward wholeness in the inner life, and we're talking about love. Jesus told us that we were to love our neighbor as ourselves. And in doing so, he was pointing to the social capacity, the capacity for relationships with other people, both God and other human beings that we were given in creation. And in our last session, we ended up talking about Christian community and pointing out again that when we look to other people, for example, in Christian community, we're in a community or a fellowship or a ministry or a church, and we're looking to other people to meet our needs. That traps relationships in immaturity, man-centeredness, soulishness, and vulnerability. As we learn to look to God alone to meet our needs, he grows within us the capacity to love one another in beautiful, mature, competent ways. All of this presupposes, of course, that our relationship with Christ is actually real. We're not just talking about a relationship with him. We're actually having one. And we're having a relationship with him that enables us to experience his love in meaningful and ultimately transformational ways. So that takes us back to so many of the lessons or chapters that we've already dealt with. It takes us back to uh, discipleship to Jesus, learning from him how to live life. It takes us back to practicing his presence. It takes us back to spiritual practices. So we are talking here about a relationship with Christ and a relationship with God through Christ that is actually a relationship. We're actually experiencing it. We're actually in touch with God's love for us. We learn how to love others by experiencing the ways in which Christ loves us. God's love is more than a theology. It becomes my daily reality. If God's love is only a theology, we're living in our heads. And living in our heads will not transform us. We are transformed by living in the presence. Love leads to joy, peace, and fulfillment. Non-love, anger, contempt, evil speaking, lust, greed, self-love, all of these things are non-love. Non-love leads to wounding, chaos, and emptiness. Love fulfills us. Non-love damages and ultimately destroys us. Love leads to life, eternal life, God's life. Unlove, or the opposite of love, leads to death. So much of what Jesus said is just almost unbelievable. This is something he said that just, to me, every time I think about it and review it, I'm just amazed. I'm saying, Lord, can this really be? This is what Jesus said. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. 
Lord, can that really be? As the Father has loved you, the same way the Father has loved you, you have loved us? Lord, not that much love. Your love for me must be a little bit different or less than the love the Father has for you. That's not what Jesus said. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Remain in my love. Live in my love. His love teaches us how to love our neighbors. Jesus said, another amazing thing Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So this takes us right back to what we have been talking about in this session on love your neighbor. As the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Now, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So the Father loves me with the same love I love you. Now you take that love and you love one another. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. To become like Jesus, I focus on learning how to become the kind of person who loves. All components of Christ-likeness flow together in love. Now, there are two passages in Paul's writings that come to mind when we ask ourselves, give us just a little bit more description of what God's love really looks like. One of those passages is 1 Corinthians 13, and one is Romans chapter 12. So, without doing an in-depth study of both of those chapters, which is kind of beyond what we have the capacity to do here. Let's just review a few of the ingredients of love that Paul outlines for us in those two passages. Let's start with 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Boy, that, that helps me right out of the starting block. Love is patient. George. Are you being patient right now? As you drive in traffic, are you being patient? As you're in the store, are you being patient? As you're on the phone, are you being patient? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. Love is not rude. When we act in rude ways, that's not love. Love does not demand its own way. Wow. Love is not irritable. Wow. Love does not rejoice in evil. It rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. You know, I think about back to Christian community. We live together, we work together, we worship together, we serve together. It requires bearing with one another. It requires forgiving one another. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never ends. Romans 12. 
Hypocrisy is not love. Love hates evil. Love clings to what is good. Love has no desire to outdo somebody. You know, we are surrounded, so many of us, with a culture that is so competitive. And we are all encouraged to do better than somebody else, to get ahead of somebody else, to earn more money than somebody else, to be more successful than somebody else, to get better grades than somebody else, to live in a bigger house than somebody else. None of that is from love. None of that is of love. Love has no desire to outdo somebody else. Love wants to honor the other person. Love is patient when things go hard. Love is quick to pray for others. Love is oriented toward giving to the needy. Love is ready to offer hospitality. Love blesses those who persecute us. It does not curse them. So there's something to grow in. Someone is persecuting us. Love blesses that person. It does not curse them. It rejoices with those who rejoice, and it sorrows with those who are sorrowing. Love knows how to live in harmony with other people. So this is just an awesome fruit of discipleship to Jesus. As we let Jesus teach us how to live life, what happens? The capacity within us grows to be able to negotiate any experience we have in life well, whatever it is, if we're being wronged, if something horrible happens, if something incredibly sorrowful happens, if we lose everything, whatever it might be, whatever tragedy might hit, whatever problem we face, we have within us the wisdom and the capacity to negotiate that in fruitful ways because we've let Jesus teach us how to live. Love does these things. We don't do them by straining for more willpower. They become default settings as love forms within. So, if you go back, for example, to 1 Corinthians 13, and you just take that list of things, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, love does not boast, love is not proud, that whole list. Think about what Paul is saying. It's love that does these things. It's not my willpower. It's love. Where is this love? It's form within. Where did this love come from? It came from Christ the person of Christ formed within me. It actually is a powerful thing. Rather than reading the list in 1 Corinthians 13 or reading the list in Romans 12, second part of Romans 12, rather than reading those lists about love, substitute the word Christ. Christ is patient. Christ is kind. Christ does not envy. Christ does not boast. Christ is not proud, Christ is not rude, etc., etc., etc. So it's not a question of me trying to rev up the willpower. It's a question of the person who is being formed within me, being expressed. 
in the characteristic of Jesus because the life of Jesus is within me. We hang out with Jesus. We see how he responds to us. His responses seep into our thoughts, emotions, choices. They shape the person we are becoming. So how do I learn to love? Who's, who's my number one mentor in loving? The answer is Jesus. He's my number one mentor. I experience how he loves me. I experience how he loves other people. And that experience informs me. It seeps into my choices. It seeps into my emotions. It seeps into my thoughts. A common spiritual attack against the work of God, an attack on the love among the members, be forewarned not to love is never an option. Not to love is never an option. I've got a problem. How am I going to solve this problem? Well, it seems to me that the best way to solve this problem is not to love. Love is good for a lot of situations, but not this situation. This situation requires something other than love. No, not to love is never an option. So the more we grow in love, the more we might well find ourselves in Christian ministry because love is growing within us. So we're loving people. So people are getting the idea. They're experiencing us. That hanging out with us, they might get some love. That results in ministry opportunities. So particularly as we're involved in Christian ministry, the enemy will attack. We know he will attack. It, it's not maybe he will attack. It's he definitely will attack. And we need to prepare ourselves and guard ourselves before the attack comes. A, an attack we know will come from the enemy is that there will be an attack on love. We know that. We're ready for that. We're watching for that. You know, so many stories come to my mind. Let me tell you this story. Back on the ship Logos, we had just arrived in a port in the Arabian Gulf. We were only going to be there for 10 days. And on the ship, we had eight Volkswagen vans, and we would put those on the quayside, and then members of the ship crew and staff could use them in their business. But, of course, we always would have to go by the regulations that the country that we were visiting had for drivers. So, as we came into this particular port, we were told, okay, in this country, all foreigners have to have international driver's license to drive here. So, we thought, oh, gee, how do we do that? You know, we're only here for 10 days. So, our lineup people who went ahead of the ship to make all the arrangements, they came back and told us, hey, we got the requirement for an international driver's license rescinded. They have given us freedom not to have it while we're here. So I made the announcement during breakfast that we didn't need, anybody can drive the vehicles. And the chief engineer, because the vehicles were under the engineer to engineering department, the chief engineer, he just acted in an ungodly way and just said publicly, loudly to me, 
all kind of wrong things. So in response to his outburst, I had an outburst of my own. <laughs> so he spoke to me in ungodly ways. I spoke to him in ungodly ways. And all this took place just as the whole ship company was coming in for morning devotions. So it was, it was just wonderful. I had this big blow up with the chief engineer in front of everybody. So we had our morning devotions that morning. I, I don't re quite remember what we did for morning devotions. I don't think I gave a message on love. But after morning devotions, I went down to the chief engineer's cabin. And he was sitting at his desk writing out a letter of resignation. He was going to resign. And I said to him, I said, brother, look, if you want to resign, that's totally okay. But not until our relationship is right, because we just treated one another in an ungodly, unloving way. And we need to get our relationship right. And once our relationship is right, then you can resign. You know something? He never resigned. God healed our relationship and took our relationship from that confrontational dishonoring of each other to something that was very, very deep and very, very beautiful, very, very precious. And some years later, after Hannah and I had left the ship, we were invited to come back to speak to the crew on a one-week retreat. The ship was up in the northern part of Chile in South America, the desert area up there. And I remember us flying in, coming to the airport, wondering if somebody from the ship was going to be there to meet us. And when we came through Customs and Immigration, who was there to meet us? This chief engineer. And we embraced one another. And that was just a further expression of the beauty of the relationship that Jesus had formed between us as a result of us saying not to love is never an option. Brothers and sisters, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, teach us to love. You are our example. You are our resource. You are our Lord. You are our Savior. We love you. We come to you. Teach us your way. Transform us into your likeness. Teach us to love our neighbor, not by our own strength, but by the beauty of your life within us. Thank you, our Father, in Jesus' name.